Welcome to this Archives podcast on the Equipped series of articles, the first of which is published in September 2013's Education and Practice section. I'm Ashley Rees, a top paediatrician, and with me are two of the authors of this series of articles. Hi, and my name's Bob Claver. I'm a general paediatrician at Imperial and been involved in rounding up and supporting a really fantastic group of people putting these articles together. My name's Alice Ruchet. I'm a paediatric trainee, general paediatrics, coming to the end of my training. And I've been um, involved in contributing to some of these articles and expanding my quality improvement knowledge and experience. We're here to talk about quality improvement with reference to these articles. Bob, can you tell me about the journey to publication for this selection of papers? Well, I think there's a lot of people who have got a real interest and curiosity in quality improvement. And it's been around for a long time, a century or even longer. And um, people have perhaps not been able to access ideas around improvement in their everyday work. There are plenty of things that we all do and see that could be better. But it's never really been put out there for people to learn and think about how they might deliver improvements in a sort of systematic and thoughtful way. So there's an evidence out there, there's lots of tools and methods, but actually there's been a real disconnect, I think, with the sort of mainstream group of paediatricians and other healthcare professionals working in child health with having access to these. So quality improvement's been a real thing for the innovators and the early adopters, but perhaps most of us who are working hard to try and deliver really good and effective care and try and improve the care we deliver haven't had much access to quality improvement and so the ethos of the articles is about trying to open that out to get people excited about this to sort of reassure people that there's aspects of it that are quite easy and doable and things that people can take back to their workplace and make happen. So it's about clinical effectiveness as much as improving patient care and and involves everything that we do as part of the patient journey. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. And in the in this opening article, we spend some time trying to think a little bit about definitions. But I guess I'd want people to not get bogged down in definitions uh, and, and aspects around it. And certainly, we've just had an induction for our new trainees with us. And the conversations that we've had around improvement are about, as well as looking after that one patient who's in front of you, thinking really hard about the wider system, spotting things that don't work, and starting to ask some questions. What could I do about this? How could I make that better? And us as a team being able to support people with the learning and the tools and and the support and supervision to actually make things happen. And to me, that's what it's about, really. It's sort of not getting too bogged down in the definitions, but trying to open up that real culture of curiosity and questions and a determination to try and make things better. And this is happening every day in many hospitals. And the challenge, possibly, Alice, is making it happen. What about on the ground, those of us working on the front line, if we can see things that we feel would make improvements to care and improve that quality of care how will this series of articles empower people do you think that's exactly what we hope this series of articles will do because we know from our experience that everybody particularly in fact trainees rotating through hospitals will come into a new post and instantly see inconsistencies in practice inefficiencies and be thinking why are you doing things like that i've got a really good idea for how you could make that better And what we know is that in reality, 
life goes on and you very quickly become inured to those problems and you work around them and you don't fix them. But actually, at the same time, a lot of these people are putting a lot of effort into collecting data for audit, really thinking about processes, but there doesn't seem to be that match between the problems you're seeing in front of you and the effort you're putting into collecting data for things like audit and what we really hope these articles will do is provide some very simple tools many of which are just structured forms of what we already do to enable people to say here's a problem I've got a really great idea about how to fix it this is a strategy for demonstrating whether my intervention has been effective or not and showing a real improvement in care. So we really hope that these articles will be extremely practical and enable people to actually make the first steps in really making a difference and improving care for children. There's something about the accessibility of the language around quality improvement as well. Again, I, I think anything that feels new to people, or if you're sitting there thinking about new stuff that you've learned at some point in your medical career, and think about those early days of it and it, it feels difficult and inaccessible because of the language and the sort of technical aspects of it and I think by getting a really dynamic group of people a real mixture of trainees and consultants and we've also got people who are not paediatricians who've got pharmacists and we've got nurses and we've got healthcare managers also contributing to these articles essentially all people who are really passionate about trying to improve care pulling that together getting that energy that people have Alice describe the trainees coming through being a really good example of that and trying to give them something to, to harness their energy into delivering some really sustainable improvements there might also be a little bit about permission um, that you you particularly again for maybe more junior people moving around in posts but again perhaps a new consultant stepping into a new post you see problems but is it your job to fix them? Surely in our great NHS structure, there are people who fix the problems. But actually, what we are aware of is that that isn't the case. And in fact, that as frontline practising clinicians, you may well be in the best position of anyone to observe the problems and know how to fix them because you're the one there delivering the care in the middle of the night and other people aren't there. They don't see how that actually plays out. And so one of the reasons we're using lots of examples in these articles is to show that actually you as a, as a clinical paediatrician have got permission to make the changes where you see that they're needed. And in fact, more than that, it's, it's our role and responsibility. A lot of what we've, you've just been talking about needs that engagement from uh, managers and those who are in a position to authorise some of the change. And some of this change is not cost neutral. So how can the hierarchy be flattened in some way or turned on its head? What are the best ways to work with managers to try and make these changes to improve quality? It's a great question. And I think one of the things that I've learned about this is using learning as a very key way in. It's a brilliant way of flattening hierarchies. It's a great way to get people engaged, to develop new perspectives and understandings of each other. And that's a really crucial part of the whole sort of manager-clinician divide. Um, and I'm really confident that if you get managers and clinicians working together and crucially learning together, 
you suddenly up the aspects of respect. You really increase people's understanding and perspective of the different pressures that people are under. And you have this amazing realisation that actually people are trying to achieve the same broad goals. There's very different methods around trying to do it because of the way we've been trained and the work we're trying to do. When you really unpick it, what are the aims that people have? They're very, very similar. And I think it's about trying to cut through that and using learning as a tool for that. So again, one of the ethos of the articles is these are about learning they're based in an educational journal and i think that's really really key that people use things people go and try things out um, and experiment with stuff the permission bit's really important i think if you're a trainer um, or an educational supervisor or a, a training lead reading these articles it's worth really thinking about how do you uh, how do you get your training colleagues your consultant colleagues to really think hard about giving people permission to do this stuff so it's not just asking people in that first week when you meet your educational supervisor what audit are you doing about just trying to reframe and rephrase that question and trying to explore and say have you ever done anything that's improved the experience of patients in your department no okay well let's explore that through a conversation and see what sort of thing and there's an article coming about improving patient experience so it's that sort of thing that i'd hope that people will go away and start asking questions in a slightly different way so hopefully this series will give paediatricians and other healthcare professionals working with children uh, an opportunity to think about how to deliver their care better. Um, Alice, are there any structures or formats that could be used in order to apply some QI initiatives? So we've used very much throughout all of the articles something that's called the Model for Improvement, which we've taken from the Institute of Healthcare Improvement um, from the USA. But we find it a really, really helpful model for putting a little bit of structure right at the beginning to planning a project because you may have had your idea or seen the problem and had an idea about how to fix it but there's a very important question is how are you going to know whether the change you make is a real improvement and the model for improvement is a structure that you can apply it asks questions that help you frame where you're going and what the objectives are for your project and then it uses something called the plan do study act cycle to help you work through trying out little tests of change to see whether your interventions are effective and what we found is that it's actually very almost sort of second nature to people to use this it's it's very much based on Kolb's cycle of experiential learning and it's about putting theory into practice trying something out did it work yes or no okay well what do we do next it also echoes very nicely the audit cycle as it should be performed the ideal where we complete that cycle and see the change whereas in reality perhaps we don't do that as often and so we've really tried to frame as many of our articles around this model because we, we consider it to be very helpful and anybody who's considering starting a quality improvement project we'd really suggest looking up the model for improvement and starting there. And the lovely practical bit about that is you might be in a three month or four month placement somewhere and think well don't you, I can't possibly do anything in that but you absolutely can and, and this sort of model allows you to really see and get some momentum and some energy around it so you take Alice's description of uh, the trainee starting there in their first couple of days in a new department and looking around and seeing things that wow that's an odd way of doing things or I could see an improvement here and then suddenly you're up and running so the key trick then is how do we give guys who are starting in that position the permission or covers maybe a better word to get on and do things how do we team people up 
too many things get done by an individual no sustainability so i think we talk about that again in the articles about things medicine's become a real team game and i think learning needs to be a team game and quality improvement works so much better when you've got a really strong team so we hope that this will help to sort of energize and marshal teams of people and it's worth just flagging that there's there's a lot of other resources around from different organizations places like the institute of health improvement the Health Foundation would be another body that's done a lot of work around quality improvement, lots of initiatives. And indeed, our Royal College, the Royal College of Paediatrics and Child Health, is putting a big amount of work into a number of initiatives around quality improvement. So part of that's around supporting resources. Part of it's around a new educational programme that's uh, just launched in September as well and is really pitched at trying to get regional learning for quality improvement at an introductory level but actually also really thinking hard about how do we support faculty to be very strong at enabling their trainees and others other learners to to deliver really exciting quality improvement projects that really matter we really hope that with this series of articles there's there's only so much that you can achieve by the the written word because so much of this is about experiential learning and and just getting on and doing it so that's why it seems very opportune that we've got these articles coming out whilst at the same time we are trying to signpost people to all the different resources that mean that actually when you're in your hospital on your ward and you want to do something but you don't quite know how we hope that people will feel that there are people they can turn to local leads education training days to get the support they need to really get started we feel that the outcome of this must be actual real quality improvement projects being performed not just that sounds like a nice idea and so the kind of multi-pronged approach i think is really important and Alice, you've mentioned there the signposting. Um, I'm not a great one for looking through references of lots of articles, but I think in these articles that's something really worth highlighting because the authors have really worked very hard to link up to references and resources that are very much seminal texts on quality improvement in terms of the theory and the principles and also really sort of up-to-date pragmatic resources that as a paediatrician or other healthcare professional working in child health you can go to grab use adopt for your local project and hopefully really support you in that work. What you're saying is that when we look for evidence to see whether a change has been effective people would often suggest that that is in the form of some research that would generate data and numbers and that uh, could be a a huge piece of work but uh, what I'm hearing is that a cycle of of trying something out and reviewing it and revising it and seeing if that works um, is as effective in terms of measuring outcome as doing a larger study based on hard statistics. Absolutely. There's a paper particularly around sort of data collection and measuring for improvement, which is a huge issue because actually a lot of people, and I've certainly come across this, is you have a brilliant idea and you just do it. And then you're never quite sure if things were better afterwards or not so data is really important but it's about collecting data intelligently there's a concept of just enough data because in the early stages of trying out um, an innovation or an idea it's not the same as doing a randomized control trial needing huge statistical power um, to your numbers it's about picking five notes up off the ward and seeing if we're doing a good enough job and if we're not in five cases that you've picked up that's probably enough to know that we're not doing a good enough job and you don't need to collect many more so 
being intelligent about what is enough data to collect to make the point that you need to put make but not to get bogged down in months and months of data collection that therefore inhibits you from actually making the change you want to make that's a really important aspect i think of, of the quality improvement literature that's out there and this isn't about every aspect of the patient experience or even the experience of doing the work of looking after patients and making the experience better. So this includes work on early warning scores to pick up uh, sick and deteriorating children as well as thinking about the environment and uh, what we uh, expect of our patients, how they sleep, where they sleep. Uh, A really simple example, we had a problem in that the the labs in our trust moved and the transport plan didn't quite keep up with it. And we had a period of a few weeks where CSF samples were going missing. And that clearly creates all sorts of patient safety, um, patient experience, huge upset. And it is really, really poor for care. And our Foundation Year One doctor led the quality improvement project to sort that out. And again, as Alice has talked about, with the lovely sort of PDSA-type cycles, went through three or four cycles of improvement to nail down the problem and sorted it out. And a lovely little publication she had out of it, great learning and a real sense of team focus on trying to sort something out that was really important but needed to be grappled with and got hold of within a matter of days. That had to happen really, really quickly. And these sort of tools allow you to do that. So it may just be a little glitch in the system as Bob's just described but that's having a huge impact on how everybody's working Um, but by starting small by having a successful improvement project around something like that is also we we tend to find in in people is, is hugely infectious it develops their enthusiasm and no doubt that trainee will go on in her next post to do something else um and improve something else so it it's it it seems to propagate endless improvements once people start doing it and that's a kind of enthusiasm that we really want to that we really want to encourage so i think some of the really best quality improvement projects are things that that are driven by everyday events and by things that are important to people and that are very patient focused where there's a problem and the csf example i've given is one example of that but there are lots and lots of things and every all everyone listening to this will have things that they've come across in their departments where things have not been going well and that this improvement focus on trying to sort things out and getting a whole team of people together it can be a very very powerful way about bringing people together across a whole organization And the uh, example from my trust, we've been very empowered by a morning meeting where all the managers, senior clinicians, nurses, porters, junior doctors, lab staff, pharmacists, um, healthcare assistants, right the way up to the chief executive, uh, meet together to peel back the layers of what is preventing giving good care or to air any quality Uh, or patient safety issues Um, and we call that onion for obvious reasons and uh, you can see how asking the question what we can do to make care better today and what are the barriers to doing it can really empower and is an important part of uh, looking at quality of care and moving that quality on to a place uh, where it should be. Um, Are there any other examples that we can share of quality improvement initiatives that will just help listeners or readers of the articles understand what it is we're aiming for. 
Well, there are lots of examples and examples at lots of different levels. So Bob's given a nice example of quite a straightforward solution to a observed local problem. If that's what we're encouraging with these articles, that's perfect for us. At the same time, there are examples of much larger system wide improvement projects so um, a good example of those are are in hospitals where perhaps an early warning school has been adopted Um, and that will often start as well we're going to just try this in bed one on ward one start very small and then move that up to the entire to the entire hospital and certainly places like Great Ormond Street have got some good examples of um, introducing early warning scores um, in that way. So a slightly larger, more whole system um, approach to improvement. And I mean, we want to encourage improvement on all the different levels. Beyond that, there are are the kind of um, quality improvement education initiatives that have been going on. So we've mentioned that the Royal College of Paediatrics is is trying to um, get that started on a regional level across the country but actually already there are some really good examples so in the southwest of England all the foundation trainees are put through um, quality improvement training they're all expected to want to take quality improvement projects and the quality of those projects that they've done has been astonishing and they've really really improved patient care across a whole wet range of domains because as foundation trainees they move through so many different areas so there's a great breadth um, and we're seeing more of those published we're seeing more of them presented so there's no shortage of examples and we hope we've tried to use these in the articles to empower people the other thing is uh, i guess thinking about other enablers so examples of that would be the work that was uh, led by a number of pediatricians among other clinicians and managers to establish the nhs change day uh, there's a lot of work going on in postgraduate education and indeed in medical schools around trying to think how do we get this into curricula but not just in a in a sort of putting it in the appendix a7 at the back of a curricula but really thinking about how do we support learners and the guys who are supervising them and training them to be very permissive and encouraging around getting involved in quality improvement projects and one of the other things that i've seen come through with quality improvement that i think is a really key area is the publication of things that don't work and it's been a wholesale failing of research to really systematically publish negative results, but it's just not happened on any um, systematic way at all. What's totally crucial about this is we find mechanisms for publishing stuff and sharing stuff that hasn't worked, and we ask some really strong and thoughtful questions around why, and we try and unpick and get as much learning as we can out of it. And I think quality improvement's got a fantastic opportunity to lead the way there. And I'd certainly something I'd really champion. So what can we expect in this series of articles? There are seven articles in, in total. The first one's been published, Introducing Quality Improvement in Paediatrics and Child Health. What, what else is coming up? Well, there's the seven and growing. We hope to hope to put some more on the end. So we really encourage people to get in touch and suggest uh, some ideas. But I think as we've alluded to already, we've tried to focus things on real issues and problems that paediatricians and other colleagues are having to deal with. So the 
next article is going to be around the deteriorating child. And so from there we move on to an article about patient experience. And so this is something that everyone will hear about and talk about in their trust. This is going to really try and go deep beneath that and think about how do we really meaningfully use and learn from patients and parents and carers and whole communities in thinking about completely different ways of delivering healthcare. So ideas around co-production and introducing some quite innovative ideas around thinking about patient experience in a much deeper and meaning, more meaningful way than perhaps historically it has been done. We're then going to go on to look at how we use data and we've alluded to already data really underpins and so much of quality improvement thinking about how various different concepts around comparisons and and changes in data can be used to support quality improvement work and then from there we're going to move on to some specific articles that are going to look at themes so one of the themes is around prescribing big big issue for us in pediatrics and thinking about how we can improve the prescribing for children and young people is a key area for us to think about and then we're going to move on to a different area thinking about outpatients and using some tools such as process mapping and lean to think about how you can get efficiencies um, and um, develop improvements in those sorts of settings and then finally the area that we're going to think about is how do you develop trainers and uh, faculty to be able to deliver and support quality improvement on a really wide scale and so hopefully that article will support and energize people who've got an interest in that area i'd like to thank uh, bob and alice for joining me in discussing this series of articles on quality improvement called equipped which are being published in the education and practice section of archives in the coming months